You're listening to Joey's Totally Tech, your tech podcast. My main operating system is Manjaro, which is a Linux distribution. And you may be a Windows user or a Mac user who isn't familiar with Linux. We've had one other episode on Linux, but today I discuss why I like Linux so much and why I use it regularly here on Joey's Totally Tech. Hello and welcome to the July 6, 2020 episode of Joey's Totally Tech. This is Joey Cagle. I hope you're all doing well. So first of all, we have a major announcement. This will be the last episode hosted on Anchor.fm. We are actually going to switch to Red Circle for future podcast hosting. Now, I'm not sure how that's going to affect the distribution of the podcast to places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and some of the other places that Anchor has distributed to, but I'm hoping things will go fairly seamlessly, flawlessly, etc. Keep up to date on joeystotallytech.com. You should be able to get the latest episodes once we move everything over. Anchor, in some circles, has had a bad reputation, apparently, from what I've found. I've absolutely loved Anchor so far. It's been a great service. I think the main thing people are worried about is that you have to give Anchor permission to distribute to the other podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And that's something that you'd have to deal with anyway. If you're giving another entity the ability to do that, you have to give them permission to do that. And there have been some rumors on the internet that says Anchor owns your podcast. No, they make it very clear in the terms of service. You own your podcast. Now, they have some rights with the ad that you produce if you produce an ad for Anchor. But other than that, you own the podcast. So that's not really why we're switching from Anchor. Uh, You could have uh, good or bad opinions about it. I understand. Now, there is something to be said about it being free. Uh, There's a saying that when you're not paying for a product and it's free, you are the product. I'm sure there's something to that with Anchor. I'm not sure exactly where, what data they collect, if they collect any. I don't know. I know with Red Circle, they have an ad system. Now, Red Circle is also free, but we pay for it by then taking a certain percentages of the ad revenue, subscription revenue. We'll even be able to do some episodes behind a paywall if we want to. I haven't decided 
What, if anything, I want to do with that. They get a cut of that too. That's how it's paid for. So if anyone has any questions about that, that's it, you know? I'm mainly interested in Red Circle's cross-promotion because that's going to be a great way to grow the podcast listener base. And I've been really trying the past few weeks to gain more listeners. According to Anchor, it's been going down a little bit. I'm not sure why. I hope to see that go back up. I also questioned some of Anchor's stats, if I'm to be honest, because it's saying that the majority of people are listening in France, and I don't speak French, and I don't know anyone in France that I've even promoted the website to. So, and I think I've mentioned this quite a few times on the podcast now. So, there's that. Finally, we've launched the Joey's Totally Tech community at joeystotallytech.com slash community. It's a forum where you can ask your tech questions, so we have that now. Unfortunately, we won't have the Anchor app if we're going to be switching to Red Circle. But you can ask them in the forum. You can still ask on Facebook Messenger. And you'll probably notice on the website I added a little Facebook messenger widget type thing as well you could ask right in there your tech questions or give comments on the podcast etc you know it's going to be awesome so thank you for listening and now on to the main content of today's episode which is why i like linux so much ever wish you could customize Windows or Mac OS a bit more on your computer? Do you wish for a bit more control over your system? Do you have concerns about Windows security and privacy? These are things I have thought about as a computer user over the years. I've seen Windows in the past get infected by viruses so easily. Though I don't feel it's as big of a problem currently in my usage of Windows in more recent years, and Microsoft Defender has really improved over time, if I'm to be honest. But I've often found myself wanting to customize Windows a bit more than what is easily doable. I'm sure the same would be true with macOS, despite the fact macOS has a beautiful interface. Over the years, I feel like on both systems, we've lost a lot of control over how things work. MS-DOS was actually very customizable in comparison. You could create your own custom menu with DOS batch programming, or even in BASIC. You could change the way your command prompt looked, and more. And you really had a selection of graphic user interfaces to choose from. You could use DOS Shell, which came with DOS, or you could use GeoWorks Ensemble, or even earlier versions of Windows, which I also feel in some ways was even more customizable than what we have now. There were also other graphic user interfaces too. I won't go into all of them here. 
but there were many different shells for Windows as well, if you didn't want to use the default shell that came with it, and we don't really have that today. Many of the changes away from this were to increase user friendliness. I kind of get that. If you don't give users the kind of control and degree of customization that I'm speaking of, it really does simplify things, sure. But does that mean it works the way you want? Not necessarily. Of course, it's fine for the new user. But not everyone stays a new user. Windows and, to a lesser extent, macOS have had issues with security. macOS hasn't had as many problems with security and viruses because it's the lesser used operating system. But believe me, if it were the top operating system like Microsoft Windows is, there would have been far more viruses on macOS. There are privacy concerns on Windows. Windows is known to collect data and they could be sharing it with others. We know they have to be using that data for something. Some of it could be useful to make improvements to the user interface, but there could be more nefarious purposes as well that we don't know about. Apple, in contrast, has been very respectful as far as privacy goes. They've even gone so far to stand up to the government when the government asked them to allow them to hack into users' iPhones. With that being said, We've reported security issues recently with iOS on the news segment of the podcast. macOS may not have the same issues as iOS though, but Apple does what it can to protect the privacy of users. I'm critical of Apple on many things, but I do respect them when it comes to privacy. Anyway, when you start asking these questions, you might ultimately start looking for alternatives. And in learning about the alternatives available, you're most certainly going to come across Linux distributions. Now, Linux once had the reputation of being difficult to use and difficult to set up hardware on. Actually, this reputation seems to linger on in many current reviews of Linux distributions and among many computer users. But oftentimes, in my opinion, it seems there's a bias in those reviews as they often mention how things used to be and not as they currently are. People will claim to have to compile everything in a review of the latest Ubuntu distribution, but really, and those of you who use Linux regularly will know this, that's not true at all. You have an easy to use graphic user interface package manager that you can install your software with and no compilation required. Despite those reviews, many Linux distributions such as Ubuntu are super easy. Now you can download a more difficult setup distribution like Arch and without instructions, you might have a hard time setting it up. Manjaro, by the way, is based on Arch but they have an installation process similar to Ubuntu's. But that's another story. I'm just saying, realize there are reviews that will trash Linux distributions altogether, often based on outdated information. So for me, security and privacy are important. Linux does a great job at keeping my information private. And Linux is designed from the ground up to be secure. It takes steps that other operating systems don't. It's based on the old Unix operating system, which also had security in mind. 
With a little research, you can also do things to further fortify your Linux system. And really, you don't want to worry about your system getting hacked, nor do you want to worry about your operating system sending data to a company who is willing to sell or give that information out. You just want to be able to do your work, play your games, or whatever hobby that you use your computer to do. The control I have over my system in Linux is absolutely wonderful. In Windows and macOS, you're kind of forced to go to the latest update. On most Linux systems, you can put off updates, no problem. Though it's probably better to do that on a system that doesn't have a rolling release, Ubuntu is a great example to do that on. Arch and Manjaro have a rolling release model, and while I can hold off on updates, if I wait too long, I'll have a lot of updates that will take quite a long time to download and install. But still, I check for updates maybe once every two weeks, and I'm fine. And I do it on my own time, not when some company who developed my operating system tells me I need to update. And then there's customization. I love the ability to customize your system in Linux, from the Bash shell and the powerful shell scripting language, all the way to the desktop in the different desktop environments and window managers you can use and further customize. Even within GNOME, one of the popular desktop environments in Linux, you can add extensions that will totally change the look and feel of your desktop from another GNOME desktop. Some people call that Genome, by the way, or Gnome. I call it Gnome. It's an easier word for me to say. Many of the desktop environments have pretty customizable environments allowing for widgets or desk looks, multiple panels, and more. Many programmers opt not to use a full desktop environment, but they'll instead go with something lightweight. Many love the tiling window managers, such as i3 or Awesome WM. I'm currently running Cinnamon. I like the idea of tiling managers, but right at the moment, I don't have the time to focus on learning that. And for whatever reason, GNOME or GNOME, KDE and XFCE have all stopped working correctly on my computer under Manjaro, but Cinnamon has been working flawlessly. The terminal emulators can be customized quite a bit too. I've seen people do great customizations of their terminals like adding background colors to the text of the prompt and changing how it reads out and really much more. And you could do that in DOS similarly to a certain extent. But the shell scripting language is far more powerful than DOS batch programming. I can pretty much create a very customized workflow in a Linux-based system something which isn't easily done in Windows or macOS. This can increase efficiency and quite frankly give you something that's uniquely yours. And I find that fun too. And I'd say that customization, making the system uniquely yours, is really my favorite thing about Linux. I mean, sure, I can change the background in Windows, I can change the panel placement, but there's not a whole lot else I can easily change. Stardock has software that helps you further customize Windows, but really even that doesn't give me the level of customization that I desire. 
Not to mention that you have to pay for the software if you want to continue using it past the demo period. And I'm only scratching the surface with customization because Linux is an open source operating system. With some know-how, one could create their own window manager or desktop environment or further customize what they already have if they know the proper programming languages for that. And to a certain extent, that may be a bit much for the new user. But even a distribution like Ubuntu does a great job of giving you user-friendliness. And there's the option for further customization if you want to. No one is making you customize it, but no one says you can't customize it. So that, my friends, is why I love Linux so much and why I run it regularly. Sure, I still have Windows in case I need it, but really, I rarely go into Windows. I probably should go back into it sometime soon just to update it, as well as my graphics drivers for Windows. And I do have some games that even with Steam's Proton just won't run in Linux. But I live the majority of my digital life in the Linux-based operating system and I couldn't be happier. I'm able to get my work done and even play many games that I like. I'm not telling you that you should switch to Linux, but if you've wanted more control and customization over your system, it's something you should think about. Are you interested in learning Linux? We have Linux Builders Ubuntu Linux Flash Drive linked in the description this week. The flash drive allows you to learn how to use Linux without installing it to your hard drive and uninstalling your current operating system. It comes with an easy to follow installation guide if you choose to install, and this is something that's exclusive to Linux Builders flash drive and 24 seven software support via email. So check that out in the description below. And it's an Amazon affiliate link. You'll support this podcast if you buy it there. Hey everyone, it's Joey, and I'm recording this for my iPhone 6S. Have you heard about the Anchor app yet? If not, let me explain. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. I'm recording from my phone right now. I normally use my professional microphone at home to record, but hey, I'm showing that you can do this on the phone too. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast. There's no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app in the Apple App Store or Android's Google Play Store today to get started. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast.
Hey everyone, I hope you all appreciated me talking about why I like Linux so much. And now we've got tech news. Android's competitor to AirDrop is rolling out in beta, while the EU is questioning Google's proposed Fitbit takeover. LG presents you with a scroll, which is a phone. Apple sees a day you could use your phone as your ID and passport. A person who reversed engineered TikTok is encouraging people to stay away from the popular app. The UK may have invested in the wrong company for its GPS navigation systems, and the Tour de France is now virtual. All this and more, because it's time for the news. Welcome everyone, it's July 6th, and this is the news from the past week. Android's AirDrop competitor, Nearby Sharing, is rolling out in beta. The feature will allow users to share content between Android devices, similar to Apple's AirDrop. Users can share content with contacts or anyone in the local vicinity with Nearby Share open. The current test is very limited, so most people won't be able to access it, even with the latest Play Services beta. The European Union is questioning Google's proposed takeover of Fitbit. A group of 20 consumer groups and privacy advocates have called for Google's takeover of Fitbit to be blocked. Google has said it would not use Fitbit data to target advertising and would be transparent about any data gathered. The company announced it would buy Fitbit in November 2019. Many are concerned Google already has a wealth of information about people who use their products and services. Privacy International has said, quote, we don't think any company should be allowed to accumulate this much intimate information about you." End quote. European Union regulators will be deciding by July 20th whether to allow the deal or launch an investigation. They have sent questionnaires to several of Google and Fitbit's rivals, asking whether the takeover would put them at a disadvantage. Australia's Competition Authority has also expressed concerns about the deal and will make a decision in August. But Google had told Reuters, quote, this deal is about devices, not data, end quote. Google's parent company, Alphabet, is buying North after minuscule sales. It looks as if Alphabet will be acquiring North, a startup that sells smart glasses. The company had reported minuscule sales for the first generation of its Focals devices. They released these smart glasses in 2019, and it seems as if no more than 1,000 pairs were sold, even after cutting the price from $999 to $599. The smart glasses required a fitting process that was only available at certain locations. 
North had been looking for a buyer since earlier this year, even after cutting monthly spending in half to $3 million and taking on more investments and loans. Google is discontinuing the Pixel 3a and 3a XL. The phones are now listed as out of stock on the Google Store. Other stores may have remaining stock, a Pixel 4a with a 5.81 inch display and Snapdragon 730 processor is rumored to be released soon. LG is set to release a rollerball phone next year. You may know about foldable phones, which haven't really done that well so far. But do you know about rollable phones? Well, LG plans on launching one in early 2021. It will be made using LG's flexible OLED screens, which can be unfurled like a scroll. LG's mobile communications division had 20 straight quarterly losses. It's hoping to make its business profitable by 2021 by expanding their mobile lineup. Apple would like your iPhone to replace your passport and driver's license. Apple has filed patent applications entitled Proving Verified Claims of User Identity. The patents detailed methods to record, transmit, and confirm a user's identification. The proposals don't mention iPhones, but the systems could be integrated into iPhones to make it so they provide valid, verifiable identification. A number of countries are starting to allow the use of mobile passports, and it's likely the trend to digitize ID will continue. Microsoft's new Windows file recovery tool will let you retrieve deleted documents. The company has released a command line app for recovering files from NTFS, FAT, XFAT, and ReFS file systems. Windows file recovery can be used on local hard drives, USB drives, and SD cards. You'll want to use it as soon as possible on deleted files before they are overwritten. There's another feature in Windows 10 called Previous Versions that allows users to recover documents if they have the file history setting enabled. Reverse Engineer of TikTok advises people to stay away from the TikTok app. A Reddit user posted detailed findings of what they found when they reverse-engineered the TikTok app. It revealed the app contained huge security concerns, like the ability to run remote code, detailed access to device data, and the ability to set up a local proxy server on your device for transcoding data. The app will try to obfuscate functionalities when being reversed engineered, showing the company has put a lot of effort into hiding what it's doing. Governments, including India, have started banning the app due to privacy concerns. In a slightly related story, India also banned other apps. India banned a total of 59 apps developed by Chinese firms due to the concerns that national security was threatened. TikTok was included in this, as well as apps from Xiaomi, Alibaba's Groups Apps, ES File Explorer, and more. 
27 of the banned apps were among the top 1,000 Android apps in India in the last month. The apps are accused of stealing and transmitting users' data in an unauthorized manner. Google and Apple haven't removed the apps from their stores, but they have complied with similar app removal requests in the past. An embattled group of leakers to pick up the WikiLeaks mantle. Julian Assange may be in a London jail awaiting extradition to the US, but a small group of activists known as Distributed Denial of Secrets has released a stream of hacked and leaked documents. They released a 269-gigabyte collection of more than a million police files, including emails, audio, and memos the other week. The group's co-founder says its mission is to archive and publish leaked and hacked data of potential public interest. Twitter has banned the group's account, as well as tweets that link to the DDO Secrets website. Amazon is paying $500 million in bonuses to workers most exposed to coronavirus. Amazon has announced it will pay out a one-time bonus to its frontline employees who worked for the company through June. The company ended its hazard pay for workers in June. Workers will get between $150 to $3,000 depending on the number of hours worked and the position in the company. Amazon has been criticized heavily for its health and safety response to the virus. They have instituted a variety of safety measures, but they've also eliminated programs designed to support workers during the pandemic. Uber is looking to buy Postmates. Uber has made an offer to Postmates. They've previously tried to purchase Grubhub, but talks ended due to antitrust concerns. Grubhub is now merging with Just Eat Takeaway. Talks between Uber and Postmates are ongoing, and a deal has not been finalized yet. Dish buys Boost Mobile for $1.4 billion. T-Mobile and Sprint have been required by the FCC to sell Boost Mobile as part of their merger. Dish has wanted to enter the wireless market for years, and the deal has gained the carrier more than 9 million customers. Boost will continue to operate under the same brand, but will be getting a new logo. Dish will be launching new plans with some that will reward customers for making on-time payments. The New York Times has removed its articles from Apple News. They've ended their partnership with Apple News and you'll no longer find the articles in the Apple News app. Other services send readers to a publisher's website, but Apple News keeps its readers in the app. And the New York Times was not able to build a direct relationship with paying readers as a result. The Times wants a platform where it can control the presentation of its reports, the relationship with its readers, and the business rules. The UK plans on investing in OneWeb, and it seems to be nonsensical. 
The United Kingdom plans to invest hundreds of millions of pounds in the satellite broadband company, but experts say that this is nonsensical because the company doesn't even make the right type of satellite that the country needs after Brexit. The investment is intended to mitigate the UK's loss of access to the European Union's Galileo satellite navigation system, but OneWeb operates a completely different type of satellite network from that typically used to run such navigation systems. Dr. Bledon Bowen, a space policy expert at the University of Leicester, I believe that's pronounced, noted that the company has the same idea as Elon Musk, Starlink, and apparently lobbyist at OneWeb, quote, have convinced the government that we can completely redesign some of the satellites to piggyback a navigation payload on it. It's bolting an unproven technology onto a mega constellation that's designed to do something else. It's a tech and business gamble, end quote. Giles Thorns, research analyst at Jeffries, agreed and called it, quote, nonsensical, end quote, and said, quote, this situation looks like nationalism trumping solid industry policy, end quote. Here in the U.S., where most of its operations are located, OneWeb had filed for bankruptcy in March after failing to secure new funding. Disney and the Deepfake Kingdom Disney has a technology to swap faces and create some pretty impressive deepfakes. Researchers from the House of Mouse have been showing off what they call the first photorealistic deepfake at a megapixel resolution. The deepfakes look pretty good, and they are difficult to distinguish from genuine images. Right now, when a company wants to do face swapping, it uses traditional video effects, but they are expensive to produce and take many months of work to achieve seconds of footage. Deepfakes, however, require far less oversight once the original model has been constructed, and a video can be produced in a matter of hours. Deepfakes will eventually stop being a research project and start being a viable option for studios. As long as it stays in Hollywood studios, I'm okay with that. But there has been a lot of concern that deepfakes would be used for malicious purposes, such as creating fake recordings of some saying things they didn't actually say, and there has been a lot of concern about it being used for political purposes specifically. Fortnite leaves early access and Epic slows down Save the World development. Epic Games has announced it will be removing the Early Access label from the free-to-play shooter and the less popular Save the World mode. Save the World will continue to be a paid title separate from the free-to-play Battle Royale. And with the official launch, they'll start slowing down the release of content for Save the World. The early access label for Fortnite is really a holdover from when Epic Games first released Save the World in 2017, but it has persisted on all versions of Fortnite, despite it being the most popular video game in the world. Save the World actually predates the more popular Battle Royale mode by a few months. Epic had planned to make Save the World free at one point, but those plans have apparently changed. 
Forza Motorsports will ban players from using the Confederate flag. The Xbox Racing Series has an in-depth editor, but you won't be able to put a Confederate flag on your car. Microsoft now considers it like the swastika and other symbols of hate. This is following a move that NASCAR had made banning the flag at its racing events. The long-running racing series said in a statement via Twitter, quote, Our goal is to create a safe, secure, inclusive, and enjoyable experience for all players. Moving forward, the use of the Confederate flag on any car and under any circumstances will be categorized as a notorious iconography in our enforcement guidelines and its use will result in a ban." End quote. The UK's House of Lords Gambling Committee says video game loot boxes should be regulated under gambling laws. The Lords have decided that the games should be classified as games of chance, bringing them under the Gambling Act 2005. Loot boxes have been controversial in video games, offering players a chance at a randomized reward when opened. Boxes can often be bought for real money, and rewards can sometimes be traded. Chairman of the committee, Lord Grade, told BBC Breakfast that other countries have started regulating the loot boxes because, quote, they can see the dangers, end quote, which teach kids to gamble. The Lord's report concludes that ministers should make new regulations explicitly stating that loot boxes are games of chance. They also say the same definition should apply to any other in-game item paid for with real money. Stadia's controller finally works wirelessly with Android devices. You would have thought with Google owning Android and Stadia, this would have happened by now, but it took more than six months. Google has issued a Stadia update to its Android app that will enable wireless support. This will be a good opportunity for Stadia subscribers to test how well the Stadia controller roams between a Chromecast, web, and Android devices. Meanwhile, Google has been gradually improving Stadia and and bringing features it originally promised during the initial unveiling. Stadia, however, still lacks players, making for very lonely multiplayer games. Google promises to deliver more than 120 games to Stadia throughout 2020, so they'll at least be good on game selection. And the Tour de France has gone virtual. This past weekend, the Tour de France started in a virtual format. Cyclists are competing on stationary bikes in their homes. It takes place over three weekends with six stages lasting one to two hours each. The race is being conducted on Zwift a virtual training platform. Zwift has built new custom worlds for the Tour. 23 men's teams and 17 women's teams have registered for the virtual bike race and the event is being broadcast worldwide. And that was the news. This has been Joey's Totally Tech. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was informative and entertaining. I will catch you next time.